Today's episode is sponsored by one of my favorite rap labels, Front Row Regal. Started by my good friend Rock City Mark, legendary rapper Ito, and Jay Rios, they are the go-to for real hip-hop. Make sure to check out the whole team, including DJ Duop, Jay Black, Nice to Future, Boo Boo the Prince, Reno RX, and Uop Diggs. Follow Front Row Regal on all platforms and check out the new New York by Ito and DJ Duop out now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. It's an honor, for real. Yeah, it's uh, the honor is uh, mutual. I, A lot I appreciate of people, your, your work. Um, Thank you. A lot of people, when you tagged me on the the Kenny Siegel and um, Billy Woods review, were saying that they were coming from your page. And I was like, the crossover of worlds <laughs> is wild right now. <laughs> After that, I was like, we definitely need to sit down and talk. Yeah, well, there, I mean, and again, it's hard because I interview people. So I want to be careful not to interview you. But to, to give you some flowers here, um, there aren't very many people doing interviewing the people who you're interviewing. So you're a very valuable resource, like for the future. I mean, for right now, it's great, but especially for the future, um, when people look back at this moment, it's like, well, is anybody like really talking to these guys? And, you know, if all we're relying on is sort of like random blogs or whatever. So yeah, so that was, uh, it was very useful because you also got Kenny Siegel to 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 kind of shit on uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Supper. So I thought that might spice up my review to be like, well, let's throw this out there and that'll get people over to you, I figured, if I said that's what he said. Yeah. So. How did you feel about uh, that album? Oh, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand all of the criticisms, um, but I also... You know, I'm so my, my whole thing is I'm just I'm all about artists. Like, that's what interests me the most. That's why I don't do any negative reviews because it's like, the hell am I to tell to say that an artist did a bad thing? You know, like it's hard enough being an artist without without people making money off of saying you suck. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, no, I'm really I'm really all about the artist, and it very clearly is what he wanted to do. And even though you know, like we all, I think everybody sort like I think everybody wants damn, and then everybody got to pimp a butterfly, but they they couldn't accept that they wanted a damn. So they just said, well, this isn't to pimp a butterfly. And I think it's pretty close. Um, so I like that you don't talk negatively about um, music. I appreciate that because a big thing is like when I wasn't on my path, when I wasn't like pushing myself forward, I feel like I could talk badly about other people because i didn't understand the struggle it took to actually follow your art but then right. the second you like grow up and you're like oh if i want to do this i have to take myself seriously you don't want to talk bad about anyone else because it's right the golden rule talk treat others the way you want to be treated yeah and it's it, it's hard because um you know like so whenever i you know, as an example, I didn't I didn't know who Fantano was until like a year after I did my channel. But once I learned who he was, I, I enjoy his content just fine. I enjoy his work. Um, but I definitely click on the not goods, even if I don't know the artist. And I don't click on the the yellow flannel when I don't know the artist. So it's like I'm just as guilty as anybody of like it's a lot easier to sell negativity. And it's yeah. really tempting, especially when I have like five low performing videos in a row to just be like. Oh my God, you guys, I hate Coldplay or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the thing is 
you have to make the content you want. Like I'll still have episodes that get 50, 60 views, but it's of someone that I really wanted to talk to. And it would be easier to get clickbaity titles. Like that's why I really, how you reached out and how you said you appreciated my podcast really did mean a lot because I want to be friends with these guys. I'm a comedian. I understand the artist mindset and these are the people I connect with. So I don't want to do it for clickbaity titles or to get someone in trouble or to say, Hey, how's this beef with blah, blah, blah. Cause right. at the end of the day, the podcast is one thing, but I want, these are my friends. Like I was just out with West side gun and Lynn and SD knack a couple days ago. And if I used my friendship with him to get clickbaity titles, then they'd be like, get the fuck away from us. You're not going to be right. in the studio with us, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I can imagine that must be really tempting too, especially because you have such access that I imagine one of your best skills is not saying way more things than you've ever said. Oh, <laughs> so. that is, that is, uh, yeah. Or editing <laughs> things out of the podcast that I knew people would get in trouble for. Like, yeah, like, I won't give names, but the only time I really edited something out of the podcast was someone like admitting to murder on the wow. podcast. And I'm like, all right, this might get a lot of views, but I'm not going to indict someone. Like, I don't want right. to itch. I don't want my podcast played in a courtroom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not. Uh, Was that guy? Vlad. Yeah. Exactly. Something I really appreciate, appreciate about you, because I want to talk to you about your stuff is. uh. Yeah sidebar have you seen the super mario brothers movie yet yes you have okay yes yes so quite a bit. Uh, oh, like literally opening day it was amazing i loved yes. it i really yes. enjoyed it but at the end of the movie he saves the universe he gets the girl and then he has to just go back to his nine to five like right. I, that was the big message of that movie to me it's yeah. like after he saves literally the universe, he just has to go be a plumber afterwards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's something I really appreciate about yours because you're you're a professor, you're a teacher, right? Yep. Yep. Like, yeah, I'm you a, I'm this a... all of love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 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 Raekwon line is line I use all the time. It's just a hobby I picked up in the lobby, um, <laughs> which actually Woods quoted. I didn't know that till last week. Um, so yeah, that's just the that's the way that I think of it. And I really am a full-time French professor. I'm also the chair of my department. I'm going to be academic senate president. I'm like, you know, a, a very much a uh, a suburban, bourgeois, full-time employed guy. But this is, yeah, just something. Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of hobbies in my life, but this is definitely the most rewarding. And then and then it became successful. I mean, I was, the, when I started, I wasn't trying to be successful because it was like, who the hell wants to hear what I have to say. And so if you ever see my early videos, I had a different name on my channel. I was sky sweaty record reviews. Cause I was so nervous about like, how, <laughs> I would like, and I tried to keep them under five minutes, which is very funny. If you know my, if you know my stuff now, which is yeah, none yeah. of it's like under an hour. Um, yeah. So eventually I sort of leaned into it and changed the name of the channel. And then just one video took off. And then once one video took off, then YouTube was nicer to the next. And now I've hit like a comfortable plateau. I always sort of think, and you probably have experienced this too. You always sort of think like, well, this is going to be the one that catches fire and gets me up to the next plateau. And nope, not that one. And then you, maybe this next one. So yeah. Yeah. And then that's the, that's what keeps you going. Is that like, huh? The West side gun interview has like, sitting at like 5,000 views. I'm like, right. I'm only 10 p 
people. He's only been interviewed maybe 10, 15 times in his entire yeah. life. I thought that was going to be the one, but it also proves like if that makes you stop, then it's not what you were supposed to be doing. Right. Because because in reality, you got to talk to West Side Gun and you got to ask him questions that mattered to you. And, and you, I mean, it's cheesy as hell, but whenever people ask me about the things that I've done, it's always just like, I think, well, what do I wish existed? And then I try to make it exist. Yeah. And I feel like if, if people, if people did that more, I know that sounds like I'm saying, follow your dreams. I think it's great if people abandon their dreams. Like I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Like my daughter was an, you know, did acting and she wasn't very good at it. One day she's like, I'm not a very good actor. Am I? I'm like, no, you're really not, but you're very, <laughs> you're very good with French. You're very good with English. You're very good with music. So, and then, you know, <laughs> So. Yeah. I like that you won't do it for albums, but you'll do it for yeah. acting. You gotta you gotta do a video of that reviewing yeah. reviewing or acting. The uh, Wizard of Oz. While the flying monkey was cute, she was not convincing. <laughs> Where did the um inkling of the idea come from? Like this this hobby that ended up taking off. So um I, so I I got divorced in 2013. And that was just a very, you know, so I'm 45 years old now. I'm Kanye years old uh, or you're from Massachusetts as well. I'm Tom Brady years old as well. Yeah. Um, so I, so I kind of got divorced and like, I went through like a year where I got really into just three albums and I love them. And I felt really connected to music. Um, one of the things I'm obsessed with is the mid twenties music death. So when you turn like 24, 25 years old, you basically just determine that it's all over. And, and good music is done and everything is good as before. And maybe, maybe I'll listen to something that sounds like something I used to listen to, but nothing new. So I sort of had that idea in my head, like floating around, like, did, did this happen to me? Can it really be that rap is just dead? Is it, is it really possible that it never will get better than Wu-Tang forever? And that that was it. And so when I turned like 40, you know, right around uh, 2017, I started to realize, okay, so maybe I should just listen to more music. So I had title because of Life of Pablo. Like I literally only started listening to music. I, I have vinyl, I have CDs, I have thousands of CDs. I'm, I'm CDs years old. Um, but I started listening to title. And so I'd start listening to new music. And then I would like post my thoughts on my Facebook and like my friends just didn't care at all. Like I'd like these like really interesting, you know, I remember when that Kesha album came out where you see her butt on the cover. And I remember just writing this really interesting treatise on, on Kesha. And like one person was just like TikTok, haha, And that was it. So like, that was the, the sort of origin. And then on top of that, uh, I was dating someone at the time whose daughter was extremely into YouTube and a way that I connected with her was by letting her explain how YouTube worked. Cause if, if you're not, you know, if you're over 40, it's pretty tough to get how how great TikTok is and how interesting it is. So she'd show me, you know, game theory and John Tron and all these sort of very niche, but also big internet things. And then I would watch- I knew her. neither of those names. I'm not yes, lying. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of them's okay. The other one is kind of a fascist. So uh, I'll let you figure out which one's which. You're going to get a lot of hate, by the way, for that comment. So you're welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like I got into like the politics of YouTube and the way that it worked. And then part of the reason why I started the channel one week before my 41st birthday was I was just like, so what's it like? Like, wh what is the actual- what happens to your brain 
when somebody likes what you're doing? Like what happens to your brain when you have success? What happens to your brain when someone accuses you of dyeing your hair? Uh, you know, like what happens to your, you know, and, and that, that was the other part. It's like, I called it my experiment up until it succeeded. Um, and then now it's my hobby. So your experiment. Yeah. But there was a, yes, but there's a reason that you would put that much time and effort into something. Yeah. Well, it was that, it was that secondary belief. So like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I really am like, I, okay. so Tom Brady is a complicated character. Uh, and for the most part, he's a grifter and an evil human being. But also, uh, because I would pay a lot of attention, I pay a lot of attention to Boston sports because I don't live there anymore. And that's the easiest way to stay connected um, is like his obsession was with flexibility. Like that's what kept him going for so long. It's not that he lifts weights. It's that he can touch his toes. So like I got sort of obsessed with this idea of like the way to to age better is to be more flexible. So instead of putting all of that into like doing yoga, because I, I can't touch my toes. Um, but I sort of thought like, well, like mental flexibility has to be it. So, so that was the other thing was that even if no one cared what I was doing, if I listened to, uh, as an example, whatever, hundred gex, right? Like, even if no one cared what I thought about hundred gex, if I listen to hundred gex and really think, what does this mean? How is this good? How is this vibrant? You know, or whatever the Kodak black album came out. And even if I don't review it, I'm going to listen to it very carefully. There are probably three people over the age of 22 who are going to listen to the Kodak Black album. You know, like, I love Kodak Black. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I do too. But if you grew up, you know, first rap tape is the Fat Boys, and then you yeah. remember NWA, and then you hear Kodak Black. It takes real flexibility to see, like, oh, this isn't different. This is the same stuff. It's the same art. It's just it just sounds different. So yeah, that that's the that's the angle that made it sort of. That's what made me passionate about it without any success was thinking that it will help me, you know, not live forever, literally, but sort of stay mentally young. I like that idea of flexibility. And I think that's something that I try to toy with, but didn't know the words to put to it. It's like, um, it's like you see people who have been in a, like an older person who's been in a relationship for a really long time. And they're very overweight and they weren't overweight when they first started dating because mm -hmm. they were only working out to find someone. And then right. they find someone and they're like, well, I found someone. There's no point in me working out anymore. You right. know, I, I did the, I did the thing and yep. it worked out and now I'm good. But then that ends up ruining their life and the relationship and their health and everything. When, when you, if you're doing it for yourself, like, no one's going to care how many weights you lift, but right. if you lift weights for yourself, then that's going to be what matters most. And yeah. I think that is the thing that keeps people going. I, I, I appreciate you putting the word flexibility to that. Yeah. And, and I think too, with music, it's another good example where, you know, music and youth is so connected because that's music will never get better for you or for me or for any of the artists that we interview or talk to than it was when we were between the ages of 15 and 25. It'll just never have that vitality ever. It can't, there's, it, it can come close, you know, uh, but it will never have that vitality. So there's also a degree to which like, it's so associated with youth that it also feels like we sort of in the same way that we might use up all of our exercise and then get fat. Like we sort of use up all of our passion and interest in music and then just sort of, 
kind of just sort of like like let it go and then just you know oh uh uh dinosaur jr is going on a reunion tour you know and they were a big band out of boston when i was i love that i've seen i've seen them open yes. up her vibes yeah i know i know dinosaur so jr. but it's like if i go to see dinosaur jr it would be really hard for me not to be like oh man the 90s i remember the 90s you know and mm. and yeah but, but i mean dinosaur jr is a bad example because they're they're they are a band that is not just a you know they actually continue to create art and be vital so yeah what do you think happens at 25 life hits you in the face you lose your parents insurance like <laughs> yeah I think... i'm turning 26 in july and yes. I'm like, i gotta stop smoking weed i gotta start taking care of myself <laughs> i'm i'm a podcaster i'm not gonna get health insurance like... <laughs> yeah it's it's i mean i i think that's what it is i think that there's a certain because i mean the reason that that college is the best years of your life although and grad school is more fun than college but the reason that's so great is the amount of flexibility that you have because you're like free to meet people but at the same time you're free to meet like people's experiences and interests and passions so you know i never would have discovered that i liked the beach boys if i didn't go to college because i thought they sucked because of kokomo and then in college i met a group of friends who liked the beach boys you know and there's once you get out of college or once you get out of that space where you're meeting new people um there's just no access. And that's part of why I love title and why I do this show is I couldn't have done this show 20 years ago. Cause I would have had to like go down to the record store and be like, Hey kids, what's you listening to? You know, and just kind of back off. Yeah. But it's what's far out about the internet. I, I keep telling all of my, you know, cause I have tons of, I have a couple of teenagers. So I have, I hang around with a lot of other parents and uh, I'll just say like, you know, everything that kids think about, you can just find it. It's right on YouTube. Like just spend half an hour. You will see exactly what our kids are thinking, what they're talking about. It is all on display. So, um, so I'm going on a, on a tangent here, but what, what actually happens to you when you turn 25? So I think that's it. And then you have to, then you have to do health insurance and also music becomes a sad reminder of your youth. You know, it, it becomes like sad and you know, I don't like, I mean, when, you know, when, uh, when Wu-Tang started releasing albums that, you know, weren't as good, whatever, like Iron Flag, which is still an album that I like, but still, you know, I remember just thinking like, ah, they're getting old and I'm getting old and, and you just sort of focus more. And then there's, you sort of move more towards TV and, and towards a little bit more, um, uh, occupying passivity, you know, cause yeah. music's also fairly active. Like you have to sort of be into it. It's sort of a, a lively thing. So. As a, I'm a stand up comedian. That's what I did even before the podcast. That's like my main thing. And something I like to compare my dad's favorite movie was Chappelle's block party growing up. So I compare okay. comedy and rap music a lot, how it's one person. Okay. There's a DJ, but it's really one person in an audience, mm -hmm. but something that's very different between the two is that rappers overall their music doesn't age as well like the older they get usually now there are definitely examples especially now especially with people like griselda especially with yeah. people like woods that you don't have to be 20 years old to be making amazing music but co comedians don't get famous young they get famous right. old because like comedians, you want to be jaded. You want mm -hmm. someone who's jaded talk about life. 
But with rap, you want to hear someone who's excited about life right. talk about it, not someone who's jaded. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I, I think that's that's true. And also you want the vitality that there is a, a kind of a parasitic nature to specifically rap music, but I'd say all popular music where you're sort of vicariously living. I mean, you know, so, someday I'll do a, a video about like what it was like for me being 12 years old. Uh, in Belmont and you're from Massachusetts. So, you know, what Belmont's like, so, you know, in Belmont listening to easy E like realistically the, the reality of the disparity between race and class and everything was playing out between my ears. And I was just bopping along to the music. Nobody move, nobody get burnt. And, and like, I had no idea that there was this whole universe of sociopolitical things happening uh, behind me. Um, but yeah, but I do think there's that vitality. And that's one thing that I liked because I've been um, probably right after this, I'm going to finally do my uh, Estee NAC uh, review. And as I said in the email, I watched your uh, watched your interview. And that was one thing where he, he was embarrassed about the fact that he's old. And I think it's one of my theories about why hip hop is the greatest art form in human history um, is that you can tell how strong something is by its mainstream and then the alternative streams how strong the alternative streams are so like we have this other alternative stream that everyone is afraid to like call older rap right mm -hmm. but it's obviously there because griselda is all basically my age right yeah i've said this on the podcast before but uh conway's god don't make mistakes album listening party was also his 40th birthday party right like that's yeah. his first major label debut on his 40th birthday. Right. Like. And, and I, I think it's, I mean, I think there's a bunch of reasons why that's happening. I think it's because, I mean, definitely it's one of the craziest things, how ruthless rap used to be. I mean, LL Cool J was able to make it past a decade and that was it. <laughs> you know, it was like when I was listening to Jay-Z, like I would listen to cool Modi because I was trying to be a cool hipster hip hop guy, but nobody would listen to, to cool Modi or no one listened to even run DMC. I mean, I saw run DMC perform at, at the college where I went and they performed in front of people just walking by the college mall. Like no one was even stopping to watch them perform. Yeah. And th that's the level to which just old school was just dead. And so we have a couple of things. We have rappers who get to stay relevant while they're older and then rappers who get to become relevant while they're already old. And it's great. I think a lot of it has to I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's a lot of middle-aged white guys who are willing to spend $40 on a piece of vinyl. Like mm -hmm. I think that's the, the secret economy that's allowing this thing to keep going is that there's guys like me who are like, well, I guess I can afford the, the splattered vinyl. I'll wait up in ordering. But Yes. I think that is true. And I think it definitely is the like 40 year old white guys playing vinyl. But I also think it's the concert versus the vinyl. Now, right. younger music, they're not going to be buying vinyls. They don't give a fuck. They're going to go to the concert. They're going to spend their money on the concert. But people who are older and more established and have maybe a family or a job or even just don't want to go to a fucking concert, they still right. want to support their favorite artist and spend their money on them because that's how we support artists is spending our money on them. Yeah. And so that makes it happen more because it's like, there's a way to get concert money without going to concerts, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I also, I want to go back to the stand-up comedian thing. Cause I didn't mention, I, so I've only done a couple interviews on my channel cause I 
I just get way, way too up in my head. I just, I, I cannot emotionally handle interviewing people. It is so tough. So I, 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 I interviewed Woods and I didn't bring up a point I made on the review, but the last album, Maps, I think can also be read as a stand-up comedy act about traveling because it's one of the hackiest things that stand-up comedians talk about what they know. And at a certain point in their career, all they know is airports and hotels. So then all of their pieces become... So if you actually look at Maps, a lot of it's about like, layovers and looking at himself and there's like even a couple of punchlines so anyways I, I sort of imagine that that's another way of listening to that very serious and deep dark wonderful album is, is imagining it as him being on stage like so i was on an easy jet in amsterdam <laughs> Ooh, oh no no it gets worse <laughs> uh, i agree it was his hiding places was so dark yeah and so gritty and so real that I was surprised at how light Maps was. Yeah. yeah it, was, I, it wasn't light at all, right. but it was comparatively. And yeah. it is like, I do see exactly what you mean in that. Yeah. How was interviewing them? I know this is probably an inside baseball question. No, no. Um, so it was... I'm also going to fix this door that keeps shut. Yeah, yeah, yeah no worries. Um, so... Okay, so here's the deal. So I recorded the whole thing and I uploaded the entire thing unedited only for my Patreons. And I I had a total of 80 Patreons. I now have 150. So 60 people were interested enough to see me talking to Woods and Kenny Siegel for two and a half hours that they did that. So the reaction has been great because I'm editing it down. So I think it went great. The problem was we recorded at night and Woods is a family man, and I'm a family man. So we're both a little groggy, you know? And Kenny Siegel's out in LA, and I mean, you, you interviewed him, you know, he's great interview, super quick with answers, just, you know, sorry, I turned off my, uh, off my, uh, you know, so, so yeah, super quick with answers and all that, but the whole time I was recording, I was like, is this like just two, like, dads after the kids go to bed, kind of like, like mumbling through an interview. Um, but on listening back, like it's just, it's filled with gems and it was great. And while I'm editing it down, I'm like, okay, well I'll take out my bad joke here and, and a, something that went nowhere there, but it ended up being great. Like lots of really cool stories. It's a little nerve wracking because Woods really likes his privacy, which I respect. So it was just his face. So it was, a, I mean, just the, his name mm -hmm. and then, you know, see uh, Kenny out of respect to, to match him also did it just a name. So it was sort of like, a video host and a podcast mixed together. But wait, I'll, so I'll... he didn't even have his face on for you to see? No, that's an interesting. I thought when when I saw that, I was like, oh, he probably you just probably just edited the video out of that. But no, right. you didn't even see it, which is a very different interview. Yeah. What with not being able to see someone's reactions, their facial reactions to your questions. Yeah, it turns out that's very necessary to think if if if, if an interview is going well. So, <laughs> so so I think it went. I mean, you know, they gave me a ton of time and they told me lots of great stuff and they answered all my questions and they never seemed annoyed. So yeah, I I, I think it went well. But I'm, you know, one of one of the things I do for my channel. Part of the reason why I do so many videos is that I don't edit. That's like one of my things. Um, so but I sometimes I have to. So I have to edit this because it can't be two and a half hours and still be good. So I'm very reluctantly going into a iMovie. Why do you think that? Together. Why, why do I think I need to edit it? Yeah. So there's a lot of like very long pauses, um, you know, where I'd ask a question and Woods would be sort of like, um, I think it's that 
Um, now everything he says is interesting, but the ums mixed with the two and a half hours isn't great. Um, and then also I want to have visuals. So I'm going to put in like images, you know, that, mm -hmm. like, so in hiding, in uh, hiding places, they make reference. He, my, my favorite woods verse is him talking about how either you have the two quarters or you don't. And he's talking about, uh, pretending to play an arcade machine when he's too poor to, to put in the money. He tells me where that place is. Like he tells me the name of the movie theater. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to put up a picture of the movie theater. So once I decide I'm going to do that, then I have to edit. So I might as well trim it down. And yeah. then also I'll, I'll leave the other version up for people who, you know, are passionate enough to, to hear the whole thing. Cause I mean, I'm not joking. Like talking to woods about music is awesome. Talking to Woods about food is amazing. <laughs> he went off on his recipe for pork belly and it's so good. Like, I love it. And I'm going to say in the review, like, you're stupid if you don't watch it, but I'm going to cut it out because I don't think that needs to be sort of part of the official record of this interview. But that'll that'll be for, for people who want to. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I I hear what you're saying, but I think I go to the other way. Uh, maybe I just hate listening to myself, so I don't want to edit anything. Right. I'll just put. I've had so many moments where I look too stupid, or I'm too stoned, and I go off on a tangent. I lose my place, but I. It's all part of the the draw to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I do. I do understand why you would cut out certain things, especially with an audio only. I also, I started off with a joke that I thought would hit and it didn't hit at all. So you basically, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want people to see how hard I thought it was a great joke that would be understood, but it got nothing. And I <laughs> basically just, just dig, dig, dig out, dig out. Dig. That's yeah. I yeah. once made, I started an interview by asking the rapper, uh, I go, it's crazy. In the last six videos, your hairline keeps getting better. Are you taking pills or anything? Oh, <laughs> and that was like I had to dig myself out for like 40 minutes. Never <laughs> but, rapper. But I knew it's good. Taking but... <laughs> they're taking hymns. Oh <laughs> wow, that yeah, that's that's something. What uh what were the to go back, what were the three albums you listened to when you were going through your divorce? So uh Random Access Memories by Death Punk. That was definitely the the most important one. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing a video over the summer on each of these because they're all actually tied around Daft Punk. So as a French professor, French culture does not make its way into America that often. So the fact that Daft Punk is French is very cool. And then also Phoenix ba uh, bankrupt. They're another band that split off from the original Daft Punk. So that's cool. And then Yeezus uh, by Kanye. That was definitely the most important. I mean, I saw the Yeezus tour. Uh, twice once it was amazing second time is absolutely garbage um like one time it was the like the best concert i've ever seen the second i wanted to leave early um so yeah i'd say those are the three and i mean jesus jesus did a lot for me and that happens to be tied in because daft punk co-produces a lot of the songs and i find myself accidentally becoming like a chronicler of the the jesus tree because everybody who did anything on that album kept making music that's interesting and meaningful. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's funny because basically I paid no attention to new music except for, you know, random things here, there. And then 2013, I just got all into this. And then that also helped me because 
getting sort of way into Kanye in 2013 and then falling to 2016, that forced me to get into modern rap music because he doesn't just, you know, he doesn't, he did the Lupe feature in 2005, but he's not going to do a Lupe feature in 2020. You know, he's going to get whatever, Lil Burke or Lil Dirk or, you know, yeah. Lil Bun or Bun Little, right? So, yeah. So it's, that, that, I, I that helped do... me understand better. Yeah. Just real quick, Phoenix was part of Daft Punk? Yeah, so um, I actually, you want to talk about videos that you think are going to do well. I did this crazy video where I broke down the history. So Daft Punk started off as a high school band in a very like Tony part of Paris uh, with both guys in Daft Punk and one of the future guitarists for Phoenix. And they're a band called Darwin, which was in reference to a Beach Boys song. So they they recorded like a, a seven inch, which I have in my, I finally found one and it didn't do very well. They were trying to be like a cross between like Nirvana and Beach Boys and, you know, it was okay. And then the, the New Music uh, Express in England, the guy reviewed it and he called it daft punky thrash. That's what he referred to the music. So they broke up after that. The one guy went off to join Phoenix and then the other two guys said, okay, we'll make electronic music. So I, I made a video that has never done well, where I, I got the NME, I got the original record, I go into the whole history, I talk about the guy who actually did the, who wrote the article and like his history of music criticism. I did a whole explanation of how they relate to that specific Beach Boys song that they took the title from. I did most I've ever worked on any video and just nothing. Just <laughs> I had no idea about that. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And that's so funny about Yeezus. That's a very polarizing album. Going back, I enjoy it, but I think it's probably one of my least favorite Kanye albums. Hmm. Life of Pablo. I grew up with Kanye because I'm 25, so that was like a very influence. But Life of Pablo is one of my favorite Kanye albums. Like that is one of my favorites. But Yeezus was very noisy. And I don't know if I like noise. Like, death grips or those it's like it's very tough for me to get into noise yeah i i mean i to me that's that's my favorite kanye album Jesus, and and it's not even particularly close i just i love that album so much and partly because it's noisy because it, it helped me to sort of connect with you know because i'd listened to a lot of punk when i was younger and just sort of like that weird mixture um and then also just <laughs> it's it's a thing that i did which i think is hilarious I think this should have gone viral. It never did. But when we were listening, uh, this is going to be a cavalcade of uh, currently canceled people. When we were listening to Yeezus, so I, I listened to all the music I listened to with my kids. Just doesn't matter. Never heard Wheels on the Bus even once. I don't care. You know, Better bad words than bad music. But still, I tried to get the edited versions of rap albums to make it easier for them. But they never released an edited version of Yeezus. So they were really into Harry Potter at the time. So what I did was I went into GarageBand, <laughs> I ripped the songs from Yeezus onto GarageBand, and I replaced all of the swears with Harry Potter movie quotes. And each, <laughs> each one is selected for the song. So I am a god turns into I am Aragog. Um, and so I just use all these quotes about Aragog and like there's uh, New Slaves is all about Dobby, the house elf, because he's kind of a slave. And anyways, it's they're all on YouTube. Uh, as edits I made way before the channel. Um, so that's the main way that I've listened to the album is with my own Harry Potter edited versions. So you're, uh, 
this is uh, passionate is a better word, but I would yeah. say obsessed because that's how I feel too. Is yeah. you do it because you love it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like the amount of time that must have taken <laughs> sounds insanity, and it should go viral. Yeah, <laughs> crazy but, that it, did. but it, it was so worth it because I got to sit there and listen to new slaves with my kids, which is like that's great music. It's super well made. It's interesting. It's discordant. It's it's potent. So it doesn't matter if it's you know. So there's leaders and there's followers, but I'd rather be a Toby. Than a, than, a, than a swallower, you know, like that's that. I don't know that it was it was really worth it, and and you know, obviously it's very difficult to to Tanya's a difficult issue right now. Um, although I did listen to Kids See Ghosts literally this morning, um, but still, you know, that's been one of the main connectors between me and my kids has been just like love of music and listening to music with them. So, did they did they enjoy music to the level that you do? I think so. Yeah. I mean, my son is, so I, I played drums in, in high school and I was in a band and it was going to be my goal to be a rock star. Um, but it was before the internet even. So it was really hard to, you know, if you want to get a gig, you had to like bring your demo and leave it outside of the back of a club and like hope they picked it up and hope they called you. And we were just too shy. So nothing went anywhere. Um, so my son like plays drums and he's like so much better than I am. It's awesome. So he's like really into making like music and playing music. Um, and he likes basically everything that I like. Um, and like, I've never pushed it. Like I've never said like, you know, cause the thing I hate the most is when I see what I call boom Xers, which are generation X boomers. Like most of my friends who are like, good news. My kid likes the Beatles parenting victory one. Like, <laughs> I mean, the Beatles are great. My kids love the Beatles. And of course you should love the Beatles, but no, it's not a victory that your kids don't like new music. Um, but then, then my daughter is like, I mean, she's like, you know, watch the throne. I mean, she is so good at listening to music and talking about music. that, Like, you know, she's whatever, way too young. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's good. I mean, I don't know how you do it. My brain was not formed enough when I was in my twenties to deal with being a YouTuber, you know, like in my forties, I, I feel like I can handle it, but um, it's rough. I mean, it's whoever's listening to you and wants to support you should, should support you because it's, it is very taxing on the brain to do YouTube. Um, but yeah, so she, you know, she loves music and finds new music and always sort of trying to share it with me and trying to get me to do reviews of stuff that I missed and, she she's the only person who bought a Professor Sky t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and she wears it to her high school, which is like the most gangster thing you can do, I think, is wearing a t-shirt with your dad's name on it. No, that's beautiful. And that shows yes. that you that they see what you're doing too. Yeah. Um being a YouTuber is hard. Yeah. Whatever. But is it <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. people I talk to and even things that I deal with in real life, like that's what's harder is like real life shit taxing this shit. Cause like, I want to do yeah. this, but then like, it's funny. You saw, I've been hitting a weed pen, but like, yeah. I'm really seriously thinking of quitting marijuana because it's taking a detrimental take on my mind, my anxiety, my output of creativity. And that's right. something that um, is difficult, but 
It's not like I feel like becoming the head of a of a, a the chair of a department. Is, <laughs> yeah, you know, professor is probably way more difficult than being a YouTuber. You know, no, it is. But if I if YouTube were my main job, I cannot imagine the amount of stress that I would be under. You know, yeah. <laughs> like like that. That's the that's the the way that I think it's difficult is, and the way that the humanities are being treated in colleges these days it may end up my only job let's just hope i i get uh, 100,000 subscribers by then um, <laughs> i'll start the uh, pimping out vpn or whatever the, the weird offers <laughs> i get oh to yeah they, they they asked me if me and my co-hosts would like manscaped I'm like i don't have co-hosts unless you mean my dog and uh, he doesn't have any testicles to shave, so I'm going to have to decline your offer. Yeah, no. I was about uh, to talk shit about working with Manscaped, but that'll be for a different time. If you're a podcaster, yeah. don't work with Manscaped. Yeah, no. I mean, they were like, oh, we'll send you free samples. I'm like, that's that's the deal? Like, because I've never done sponsorships. I'm not above them. I just, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me, you know? Like, the money's like, so what I get is a razor, like, and then... You just become a spokesperson for them and you only make the money off of what the products you sell, which is really, you're just in a pyramid scheme. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, hey, I still use my Manscaped razor, but I hated working with them. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, uh, whatever. That's beside the point. But that it is taxing because money's money. Like when this is your full-time job, you got to make money, but then you also don't want to sell your soul, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why, I mean, I'm a ridiculously fortunate person and it's, it's tricky because like, I always own up to it. And I always talk about it, but I, I, always, I do wonder how it's perceived sometimes, you know, because I just, I live a very good life I and mean, I've had many hard times in my life, like everyone has, but I live a very good life. And I'm often describing people who are just, you know, who are talking about generational trauma and cycles of poverty and abuse. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's, interesting because i have to so consistent at least i think i have to so consistently mention it because if i don't mention the fact that you know i'm happy in my house i'm happy in my job and i'm happy with my wife i'm happy with my kids you know that uh why do you think you're fortunate i mean uh let me i mean i'm fortunate because i am you know i had an upbringing where i didn't my parents didn't have to they weren't nervous about money so i was able to get a good education I was able to just walk around and do nothing for a couple of years, you know, I mean, whatever, like, like working, but like just barely working, you know, I was an, I was an assistant, uh, assistant to the gym teacher. I was not an assistant gym teacher. I was an assistant to the gym teacher. Um, that's what I was doing when I was your age, by the way. Um, so, you know, like I was able to do that. And then if, if you're lucky enough to not to have to worry about money, then you get to do interesting things, you know, like, you know, I, I was, I was never going to have enough money that I would never have to get a career, right? I was, I was always going to have to work, but I was able to not worry. You know, I was able to not have to work while I was in grad school. And so then that's how you end up doing something stupid, like deciding to become a French professor when every French program in the country is in danger of shutting. And so, you know, I got that degree and, and I managed to get one of the jobs, you know, and that's, yeah, that's, that's luck. You know, and that's just a whole series of fortunate things. And especially when you cover rap music, you know, I don't exclusively do rap music. You know, Daft Punk is luckier than I am with their <laughs> their upbringing, you know, but um, that it all came at a cost. So I grew up fairly comfortable, partly because of Reagan's policies. And it doesn't matter 
how much my dad, you know, my life was bad because of Ronald Reagan. My dad, you know, would get stoned and drunk and scream at the TV because he hated Ronald Reagan so much, you know? So like, like that, that was the source of my sadness, but Reagan was lining our pockets. Reagan was making sure that I would have enough money and would not have to experience what everybody who would make the music that I listened to was going through, you know? So it's that, it's that, that bizarre sort of cycle and it's interesting because when i talk about it like very often people will just you know what is this C uh, crt bullshit and what is this like i'm not even saying what is good or bad like these are just facts like this is how american civilization developed these are the systems that were put in place and i benefited from them and i, I feel it's way more offensive to like be given all of these things for the circumstances of your birth and not acknowledge them and say you're lucky um i feel that's way less offensive than sort of trying to like be edgy or be disaffected or be like oh, this sucks you know because growing up in the 90s if you, if you look at the the culture of the late 90s you know like fight club is a great example uh, there's a lot of like bitching about being middle class and white and having a good education <laughs> and yeah. That's why I never really liked Eminem. I don't like angry white guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've had, you know, like, whatever. I don't need to shit on Eminem. Yeah. It's like, it's like angsty white people who are angry for the, the wrong, the wrong reasons. I, um, I, I wanted to, I thank you for answering that question like you did. But I was wondering then, okay, so you were assistant to the gym teacher at my age. Mm -hmm. like where where did your passion come from where did you find hard work where did you find dedication where did you find well well that's i mean so i try to use my story whenever possible to like inspire people um because like i'm the youngest of four so that's part of the reason why i love music so much because i have three older brothers and each one of them was passionate about music and i would try to be cool with all of them so one of them like rapped one of them liked jam bands, other one really liked classic rock. And then there was some overlap, but in general, like, I, so I got into music that way, but like, I was a total fuck up in high school. I mean, just like, you know, I, I saved my high school senior year. I got a C minus in French and it said writing skills need work. Like mm -hmm. my senior year of high school, I answered every single question with the word barbecue because it made all the girls and the, and the guys in the class laugh. Like I was that much of a punk and a loser. And I didn't do any work at all. Like I read one book in high school, Frankenstein. The rest of the books I wouldn't read. I'd get Shakespeare. I would, I'd skip the speeches and I would just go to the short bits. So it'd be like, friends in Roman, skip, skip, skip. Hark, we must go. Like I did nothing. Like I would get home from school at uh, 2.30. My friends would come over. We'd jam. We'd play Mortal Kombat 2 until 6. They'd go home. I'd eat dinner. I do homework for half an hour. And then I watched TV from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. every night, just whatever it was, whatever crappy sitcom was on. So I was a complete total loser, except like I had a burning passion for music. I could tell you everything about the Rolling Stones you'd ever want to know. I had a, once I picked up about the Wu-Tang, I had a very good knowledge of how they worked as a little kid. You know, I could tell you uh, whatever. I could talk at length about which Red Sox players were doing well and which ones were doing poorly. And I could like, I had all these little passions and I was really smart about those passions. I just never connected that drive or energy to anything useful. So 
there was like the useful path of like you know doing homework and then there was sitting there reading liner notes and and figuring out that the the best rolling stones albums are with mick taylor not ron wood right just weird sort of things like that so then when i got to college all of a sudden all that pressure to like conform and have your just be what someone else wants you to be went away and I, I took a year off to make my band work i ended up working a blockbuster video i am assistant manager of blockbuster video years old not assistant to uh, the manager you, no, i was assistant you manager up. You they gave me up. that job at 17 years old that was how good i was that was funny i thought i was a dumbass like if you asked me i'd say i'm stupid like i just thought i was stupid but i i loved video stores because i love movies um that was actually my main passion was movies in, in high school and you know so i was like giving people recommendations and all that and they they promoted me within like a month you know like me who my first job was watering lawns in high school and i got fired because i didn't water her lawn because i didn't feel like it like that was how lazy i was <laughs> so yeah so i once i got to college and i realized that like i could study things that made me interested once i knew i wasn't stupid it was over like that that was it so I felt stupid. I felt worthless. I felt all those things just consistently. I kind of ate my feelings. Um, I I probably would have, you know, gotten pretty into weed if I didn't have negative experiences growing up with weed, which made me hate weed and never do it. But like definitely self-medication would have probably taken place in ways other than eating a lot of like, you know, nerds and Twizzlers. Um, but like once I realized I wasn't stupid, then it was just it was just done, and so I was able to do well in in college, and then I was able to to bum around and do nothing, and then I was like, okay, I guess I'll go to grad school, and then I was really good at grad school, and then if you just keep like doing things that you're passionate about and that people want you to do, eventually they like give you like you know power. I mean, I mean the the power of a full time job, right? The power of health insurance, and then, you know, I have this weird authority, but I like, there's still part of me that just feels like I'm the same dumb kid sitting in my, you know, sitting in my basement, hanging around with my friends, whatever, eating Taco Bell and like, you know, trying to figure out uh, which guy in NWA is yellow. You know what I mean? Uh, I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, I don't uh, know if that answers your question. I'm sorry. I, I talked too much, but that's no, I'm I, I with interviewing I'm... an interviewer. I love this. I love this. I love hearing that. And it, it it's very similar to how I feel. Um, you're like, I was told I was lazy. I was told certain things, but it was because I didn't care about those things. But then you have to dedicate your life to it. You have yeah. to, you have to take yourself seriously. Yeah. When did, when did French, come? it's very funny. So both my parents, my mom was a French teacher. My dad lived in France for a little bit, both spoke wow. French, but they never talked to each other, even in English. So they never like <laughs> taught me French, you know, <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> Where'd you find French? Just, okay, I will answer that, but I, I'm also a comedy fan. I don't, I don't know if you know the, um, uh, the joke by the, the great Boston comedian, um, Dana Gould, he says uh, his his family crest is uh, two lions facing away from each other. <laughs> and I, what does it say? I think it says like oh, he has some kind of line on the crest. Anyways, it's it's a, a beautiful line. Um, oh no, no, uh, death before intimacy. That, that that's the line <laughs> underneath the crest. Anyways, uh, Dana Gould's a very funny comedian. Amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, so French is funny because 
my grandfather was one of the like the monuments men so if you see that movie about like saving art from the nazis my grandfather did that oh wow he was like friends with the rothschilds because he like found their art and gave it back to them and he was you know hiding out from nazis and he had beethoven's fifth symphony the original transcript like written and like he put in a little metal box and sat on it so if a mine blew up he would save his ass literally so he won the legion of honor but he was really old and he didn't really care. So he never spoke to me in French. My mom learned French and she spoke fluently, but I didn't know until she visited me in France and spoke French better than I did. Like, she's just like, oh, I studied a little, but I don't know if it's just some kind of weird patriarchal deference or something, but I never knew. So like, I only took French because I was forced to take two years in high school. And for whatever stupid reason in my head, I'm like, it's a waste of time. I'm going to take two years of French. I'm going to take four years of French. So at least I learned something. So that's why I was such a punk at the end of my career, because I was taking it as an elective, but I was hate taking it as an elective. <laughs> and then I got into college and then you have to take two more years. I'm like, oh, this shit. And I tell the guy who's telling me, I'm going to take four years because I don't want to waste my time. And, and yeah, desperate for majors. Oh, really? You're really good. I am. I wasn't. You're really good. You should major. Okay. The only person who ever showed interest in me intellectually. So I majored. And then, you know, then at that point I took classes and I read the literature and the philosophy and the food. And it's a wonderful thing to study because any language is great because you just, you get everything. You get the music, you get the food, you get the history, like whatever parts you like, you can take. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I ended up in French. <laughs> very, very randomly. It was totally in my family, but never shared with me. That's wild. That's yeah. wild. So you just kind of like hate picked it. And that's, totally. yes. <laughs> do you enjoy right. it now? Or do you look back at it like, shit, I really, I could have done something different. Well, that's part of why I teach it because I remember how bad my teachers were. I know how much it sucks having to learn French. It's, it's like, it's terrible. Like they're terrible. They created a terrible language. It's very difficult, but very rewarding when you get it. But yeah, there's, there's been some kind of thing in me where I, I often just take the more difficult path. I don't know if it's, again, growing up in Massachusetts, you have to read that goddamn Robert Frost poem over and over again until it becomes part of the world the bus taken. But because, um, you know, I also majored in art history and art history is so easy for me. Like that is exactly how my brain works. Like analyzing paintings, drawing conclusions, making connections. I, that was like that. But I went into French instead, which is still tough for me. I still have to check myself I mean, I do I do a fair amount of work uh, with with uh, like Quebecois rappers because not a lot of people are talking about them and they're doing a lot of really great stuff up there. And one time I was talking to one of them and he was like, "Wow, you really speak French." I'm like, "Yeah, I, I really do." Yeah, <laughs> he's really surprised. Um, yeah, but because like that's why I like doing the music analysis so much because like that's what's that's what's easy for me. Like analysis, like if anybody, you know, like you sort of also have to figure out like what you're good at. And I'm definitely a good teacher. That's one of my skills and, and public speaking is one of my skills that most people don't have. So that's kind of a special one, but like the ability to analyze stuff like that is for whatever reason, whether it's because I watched, you know, too much hockey as a kid and it made me think about line formations or I don't know what, but like, that's my skill. So the channel has been great because 
the entire time that I've had the channel, my job has been just getting worse and worse, like less and less students. They canceled the French program at my college, constant pressure from the administration, losing students, just it's, it's so hard. And then I have this, this hobby where it's like, I'm just going to talk to Woods and Kenny Siegel tonight. <laughs> like yeah. it's this, it's way, all the, all the satisfying feelings that I would get, you know, publishing an article or talking at a conference. Um, it's way better on YouTube. It's a much more edifying experience because you're actually reaching people and you can, you can do all the things you're trying to do, which is, you know, spread knowledge and humanity and all that. But also people are like, people are actually listening, not just academics. So, yeah. Would, is there a, is there a day that you pick music over French? It, well, see, it's tough because I did create a hip hop minor at my school. So even though I'm complaining about my school, which I don't, to be clear, I do not represent the school on YouTube or in any way. I'm an individual. I'm not, I'm not a part of them because I don't ever want to get fired for uh, whatever, talking about CRT. Um, but it's, so I, I have the worst version of the best job in the world. So that's what it is to be a French professor. So being a professor, in my opinion, is the best job you can have. It's, I love teaching college. I love developing minds. I love my colleagues. I even love my campus, you know? So I would probably never willingly leave my job. But if someone came to me tomorrow and said, okay, Sky, I'm gonna match your salary. I'm gonna match the insurance. I'm gonna put the same amount into retirement and all you have to do is release five videos a week instead of three videos a week. I'd, I'd probably do it, you know, because, because yeah. um, if I had that assurance, you know, but I've, you know, I've got three kids, so I can't, uh, I can't do it without that kind of uh, insurance. Um, I, I totally understand. I'm about to, as I said, I'm about to hit 26 and I'm like, shit, like, I've been able to do this podcast freely, but now I feel like I really do have to take it seriously and make it into a business and grow it right. to something special because this is what I want to do. You know, like yeah. I've been able to find success in comedy and I've been able to get some listeners to the podcast, but that's only so much. You kind of have to take it seriously and grow it into a business to get to the next level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, and then especially if, you know, if you're struggling with the same kind of whatever self-doubt that we were talking about earlier, then it's really hard because like the people who really succeed are the people who are just, they're too stupid to know that they could fail. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think, I don't know, when, when I, when I watch your interviews, I often think that like, if you're insecure, you mask it pretty well because you have a sort of like. Of course, I'm talking to West Side Gun right now. Why wouldn't I be? Where, whereas if I were talking to West Side Gun, even though I've talked about his music and his production for, I, I coined the term Buff Daddy, which I still think is one of the funniest <laughs> things I ever came up with. Um, you know, like, but I, I, I would just be, why, that, why would he talk to me? Why would I be in the same room as him? Uh, no, there's just no point. I won't even ask. I won't even think about it. I won't even do it. So... Um, stupidity is a big part of, of my success <laughs> you are very <laughs> but, but no but it's but it's not stupidity it's it's i mean it's 
I mean, that's you, that's you showing that you have a certain skill that you're going to need to get to that next level. Because if your thing is interviewing people and you put yourself in very precarious situations where guys who look like you and have had your life experience don't usually go, you know, like that's the way you want to be, you know, like I I think about it with language. Um, One of my, one of my better friends I met when I lived in the South of France in Marseille and he moved to France, not speaking a word of French not a word. He was from like a Pentecostal religion. He'd never even been to a concert or a movie theater because they were houses of sin. And and he went to Marseille. Mind you, I had majored in French. I got a Fulbright whole thing, right? Or I thought I got a Fulbright. It's a confusing story. So we, we go there and he just walks up to these dudes on the street, right? These like real tough first, second generation Algerian immigrant kids with with like pit bulls and, you know, baseball bats. And they're just all sitting around there. And he just walks right up to them. It's like, ça va? And he just starts talking to them and they have a whole conversation. And by the end of that year, he spoke French better than I did. He never took a class. And it's not that he was stupid. It's that he was just so open and just so like, you know, idgaff, you know, and just did not give a fuck, even though he wouldn't say the F word, that he was just completely open to that. And I often think like, I try to teach that to my students because like confidence is way more important than ability when it comes to speaking a language, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause you can, you can spend all the time you want conjugating it, it. When you walk up to someone, if you can't just go, ça va, you know, then, then you're, you're totally lost. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it, I, it, I'm not calling you stupid. I'm saying that I think you have. <laughs> oh, that fella, I was being, I was yes. being a I know what you were saying, <laughs> but I think that is a big point. All right. So you, well, like they they're making me take two years of French. I'll take four. Fuck them. Like, yeah, I think that's like comedians. Comedians aren't really funny. If you're actually funny, you right. don't need comedy. You're going to make people laugh, you know, right. There are people who like see that and they're like, I want that so bad. So they try to be anxiety is the biggest pusher, but right. it's a very volatile substance anxiety because it'll push you to the greatest heights but it'll also drag you down and that like fine balance is where art is i think is in anxiety every artist is anxious you say i don't look nervous i'm nervous all the time i would consider myself one of the most anxious people i've ever met you yeah, know, yeah. I, I consider myself the same way. Yeah, <laughs> it's but that's why we create because we want to prove to ourselves that it's not crippling, that we can overcome yeah. the voice inside that's holding us back. Yeah, I think yeah. that is what happened to Kanye. Yeah, like I think we all know exactly how he thinks. Even if we don't, we know. And he got to such a great level that it was like, of course he was going to be his own downfall. Of course he was going to say things that he thought he could say because he was the greatest, you know? Right. And yeah. that is that volatile substance anxiety in your head. Like, yeah. Kanye's yeah, probably like, hella anxious, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Like, like uh, in those old movies, like when they're transporting dynamite or whatever, or nitroglycerin, it's like if you hit a pothole, the whole truck's going to blow up. Exactly. Yeah. How do you, uh, we don't have to talk, but how do you feel about, you? because Jesus was so influential about to you, how do you feel about Kanye now? How do you feel, like, what do you feel about what he's gone through, where his mind's at, all of that? Well, there's like multiple things. Like, 
anti-Semitism is bad, but the, the problem of anti-Semitism is Tucker Carlson getting up on the news and saying the talking points that the guy who shot up the tops in Buffalo would repeat. Like the problem with anti-Semitism is a white supremacy problem. It is not a black celebrity problem. The same thing with trans, with trans rights, and that when we jump on black celebrities to highlight other people who are being hurt by homophobia or or transphobia or anti-Semitism, it's a scapegoat that is a part of white supremacy. So, so even though I, you know, I I have a hard time listening to Kanye. I don't particularly want to platform him. I do think he is legitimately unwell. I think that's why he's doing the things he's saying, things he's thinking. Even the retraction, putting him on Jump Street wasn't that funny. It was pretty funny though. <laughs> it, was, um, it was a pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty good movie. I'll, I will I will fault him for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it would have cured Hitler, but that's, <laughs> if you had a time machine, what would you do? I would show 21 Jump Street to Adolf Hitler. Um, <laughs> So, uh, sorry, I, uh, I, I'm trying to be a stand-up comedian as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, so so that's kind of how I feel. So I don't like spending time decrying what Kanye is doing because I think we need to keep our eyes on the real enemy, which is when Tucker Carlson says the Great Replacement is happening and that Jews are trying to replace white people with immigrants and black people, white people murder black people in buffalo like that like that was that was the direct line that happened where there was a far right talking point and there was also broadcast to the middle right and then this next thing happened and the discussion of that was three seconds two seconds but kanye says whatever uh mountain dew code red on the jews tomorrow whatever it was that he said which is not good and he should be castigated from polite society he should be criticized he should have lost his his deals like that's totally sensical to me what drives me crazy is the conversation around it because you know I, again obviously i'm not black and i have no idea what the black experience is the same way i don't know what the what women's experiences are but all you can do is believe people when they tell you and black people have been telling us the way the world is for my entire life. And what am I going to do? Not believe them? So when they say like, you just look, white society is ready to pounce on anything that a black celebrity does like that to pounce on it and just take them down and they will do anything they can. And it happens every single time. So I, I am definitely upset with it. I, it hurts me because also, I have many Jewish friends, and you have to believe what they say. And they say when they walk into a room, they can often feel people looking at them and trying to hold back racial slurs against them. And I just have to believe them. I don't think those words, but if they say they feel them, mm -hmm. who am I to disagree? You know? So yeah, so it's 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 like I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I believe in systematic inequality. And the systematic inequality is alive and well. And when you scan back from that and you look at the position of evil whitey, you know, re represented by me and my ancestors, this is great. <laughs> this is the greatest thing ever. The, mo the, the richest and most influential black person, uh, perhaps, you know, of all time, uh, uh, at least on one of those counts. 
uh, is platforming uh, anti-Jewish sentiments, and then they're fighting amongst each other. And then the 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 real sort of people who benefit from the systematic inequalities, being people who look like me and my ancestors, we just get to kick back, and a couple of us get to send out a couple of tweets saying we don't agree, and then we just we just keep all the power and all the money and let everyone else fight. So, yeah, I, I don't think you. I appreciate that sentiment yeah. because that's it's it, it's very true, and it is something that is so easily to be like, eh, well, that album sucked too, you know? Right. Like, really, when I ask you about it, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about what you're talking about because that is the correct way to look at it and that is the correct way to think about it. And he... Yeah, I, I don't have any more points about that one. I, I appreciate what you said about that and you, uh, you've thought very thoroughly about it. And, and also just... <laughs> people still don't understand how great of an artist he is. That doesn't excuse what he's saying, but I have spent, you know. You like Jesus is King? Yes, love it. Absolutely. Absolute 10 out of 10 masterpiece, not not being sarcastic. Um, but like, I've spent most of my adult life arguing about the value of George Lucas and Kanye West. So I will defend episodes one, two, and three as vehemently as I defend Kanye West. And it's for the same reason that we have been blessed to live in a world with these artists who do what they believe is necessary, not what the market tells them to do. That they live in a world where they managed to win capitalism without trying to win capitalism, only trying to serve their artistic vision and sacrificing everything that they can possibly sacrifice to give us that vision. And in doing that, they left behind a legacy of literally everybody who's in that space, either reacting or continuing what they did. So that's the other part that bothers me about the Kanye scandal is that people, even though, you know, when he says, you know, I am Picasso, I am uh, Einstein. Well, I'm not a physicist, but I am an art historian. And Kanye is 10 times more important than Picasso. And I'll go toe to toe on you. I, I, I could talk up and down about Picasso and I love Picasso. He's great, but he's not as important as Kanye. He's mm -hmm. not as talented as Kanye. Really, he's not. I could seriously, I, I would, I would, I would love that challenge someday. And it's another thing. It's another weird racial thing where people don't actually give him the credit. And it's partly because he takes the credit all the time. So he doesn't leave any space for anyone to say it. Um, but it's it's frustrating because I have a lot of friends, you know, a lot of boom boom Xers, you know, Xer boomers. Who, who always make fun of me for my love of Kanye because all they know is the Taylor Swift stuff and, and the slavery is a choice stuff. And they're like taking these victory laps, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, but, but you never actually got it. <laughs> you know, you never actually got the thing. You just saw the, 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 the smoke, you know, you didn't actually see the fire. So. How does your YouTube page affect your real life? Um, it just, it really makes me happier. Um, you know, it's, it's just really edifying because, because my job has gotten so tough and because I feel less and less listened to and less and less contact at sort of higher levels of thinking than I used to think used to be able to teach. Um, yeah, it just brings me a lot of joy, you know? Um, I, it changes the way I listen to music. So my family is happy, you know, because I find music that 
they wouldn't know about. You know, like I introduced how many other dads can introduce their daughters to Billie Eilish? You know what I mean? Like I did that, you know, her favorite band now is Boy Genius. I introduced Boy Genius to her. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, my wife's just loves uh, Japanese breakfast and. Oh, I just went to see Japanese breakfast with my mom the other day. Isn't she amazing? Amazing. I've seen her twice now. Yeah. It's like the harder she sings, the further she moves the microphone. You're oh, like, how yeah. do you sing so well? <laughs> I've also never seen someone use a gong so successful oh, yes. in her life. It's yes. amazing. Because <laughs> yeah, because you you always think of like you know Led Zeppelin like parting that giant gong around just for the one part, <laughs> the one song. Always but, trying to shoehorn it in. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I had to say something about Japanese yeah. breakfast. Yeah. I'm going so, actually to see Yola Tango, who I saw open up for Japanese breakfast like next week. Oh man, it must be nice living in Boston. Oh yeah, the music's incredible, yeah. I love it. My mom put me on to Future. Like I remember my yeah, mom wow. playing me Future before he had a Drake Future a feature. Right. Just like early here being like, you got to check out this guy Future. <laughs> and now he's like the biggest rapper. So it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your kids definitely appreciate you. Yeah. So the, so that's like the good part. The bad part is that I'm constantly listening to new music. So, you know, we, like my, they, my family love listening to Woods, but I'm already on to ST. Is it ST or ST? Does he say ST? ST. ST. You know? So like I'm already on to SD Knack. So it's like, all right, time for some, you know, drumless screaming in a weird mishmash of uh, Dominican Spanish and, and English. Like, get ready for that. And you know, the that nice thing is incredible. That album's incredible. Incredible. It, it it is. And I don't I don't know his other work. So that's one thing I wanted to compliment you on is that I mean, because I don't just do rap music and I don't I don't try to put myself as a rap channel, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't I try to really emphasize the fact that I'm just kind of ignorant and just kind of like learn about new stuff. And I don't try to project expertise, um, but I, I really appreciate how deep you go you know, into the underground. Oh, and it's so funny because I'm not even, I, my bio on Instagram has never changed. This is a self-help podcast. It's never changed. Right. <laughs> started interviewing comedians about self-help. And then on episode 11, I thought, you know who hologram is mayhem no. Lauren's brother. Okay. Um, he has one album out, and I'm the only interview he ever did, and it was on the 11th episode. And he literally said yes as a joke because he's like, really? I have two interviews. This random comedian from Massachusetts <laughs> wants to interview me. I'll do it as a joke because no one will ever see it. And he right. debuted his DJ Muggs album on my podcast. Wow. Which is the only album he's ever done is with DJ Muggs. Wow. Action Bronson's on four songs, Mayhem Lorenz on three songs. Like, wow. incredible. And then I was like, this thing I love, I can do with music too. And that's kind of where the rap thing grew. But I, I people see me as a rap podcast, but that is not what um, I consider myself as either. Well, I mean, it's good because no offense, but we don't really need more comedy podcasts. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, especially no offense, but when comedians start talking about comedy, I don't know if you've ever seen the the one there's like a a round table like seinfeld chris rock and louis ck and it's like they're talking about their private jets and it's just like oh my god shut up i get it you were sad as a kid (laughs) that's so funny to see it as an outside perspective because i bet that's how people see us talking about music at some point yeah 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 that could be (laughs) but it's it is true the you can't really talk about comedy too much 
Well, I mean, it's it's sort of like the first, you know, like the first like 10 times I heard that kind of and I do think there's a lot of great comedy podcasts. You know, like I I I know a lot about comedy for someone who doesn't think he knows a lot about comedy. You yeah. Know? But there there does get a certain sort of, you know, navel gazy sort of like, isn't what we do so brave, isn't what we do so interesting, uh, which is fairly grating if you're not on the inside of that. You know, oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. That's why interviews can get boring. Like, I like yeah. conversations because that's where, I don't know, that's where the real the real shit comes out. You don't need to talk about things that people aren't a part of. You need to talk about things that people will understand, even if they're not a part of it, and that will bring them into the art more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's... Students know who you are? I have one student. <laughs> so... Um, of my merch, like my merch does not sell well. So I did a, a Playboy Cardi shirt because when I was at the concert, I miss I misspelled or I mistyped into my notes app. I do all my notes on notes app. Um, uh, jump out the house as bump out the goose. So I did <laughs> I did a drawing of bump out the goose. So I have I have one student who came into class one day wearing a bump out the goose T-shirt, and uh, I was like, wow. And then he's actually requested the me to review the same song for 135 days in a row. Um, but I don't want to do it until he graduates because I don't want there to be like some kind of like conflict of interest or anything. No, I feel you. Um, What's the but, song? Um, something by Gang of Four. It's like, you know, I can't what it's called. It is like day 153. Look under my videos. You'll, you'll, you'll see it. I definitely will check that out. Uh, but no, it's it's funny because um most of my students are like very working class and spend a lot of time like working outside of class. So I've had students, so I teach at a public college. That's a lot of first generation students, all that. So like the luxury of caring enough about music to be into someone who talks about whatever, Mr. Morale and the big steppers for three hours is not really there. So it's not that they're not curious. It's that, Again, it goes back to that question of privilege, you know, the sort of the the privilege of of curiosity. So like I've had students who are dating somebody who watch my who like watch my videos. So like, wait, Professor Sky is your teacher? You know, so that was someone who went to RIT, which is, you know, a eighty thousand dollar a year college. I don't know how much it is, but something like that, you know. So yeah, yeah. So I think I have a lot of college age fans but they are not at my school. So, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I've, I've, ne I've never been recognized. You know, I went to the Pusha T show and I sort of thought, well, if I'm ever going to be recognized anywhere, just kind of look around. No, I didn't get recognized there. Griselda canceled their show here. I have like a little theory that like they can't play in Buffalo and Rochester for some kind of like weird reasons that they've never stated. I don't know, but you'd think living in, in, you know, an hour from Buffalo would mean I would have seen Griselda like 10 times, not once. <laughs> yeah. But you never get love in your hometown. I don't get booked yeah. in Boston a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I really appreciate you doing this. We did like an hour 20 already and I know oh, you cool. allotted an hour. So I really, I really do appreciate this was an amazing conversation and I didn't even realize you were in upstate. I would love to, uh, hopefully we get to link up in person sometime. Yes, I, I mean, I'm it, a, it, a big fan of what you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're ever in the Rochester area, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hang out. Oh, my, uh, my spot, you know, Ito, 
the rapper yeah. Eco from Rochester. Uh, yeah. Label Front Row Regal uh, actually sponsors this podcast. So oh, shout out right. Rochester. I spend a lot of time up there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're there's not a lot of people out of Rochester, but they're they're good. We're out of here. Well, some there's some good music out of Rochester. Yeah. Yeah, thirty eight Spege Ito. Yeah. I, I, Black, do you know good. who Black G's is? Black G or Black Jesus? Black G's G E E Z. No, I don't. He's someone that if you want to like, his story makes his music go to another level. He okay. is he's thirty eight Spege's cousin, okay. and he got a life in prison for murder that he did okay. not commit. He, okay. when he was 18, I think he did 20 some odd years. And while he was in prison, he got a law degree and got himself out of prison. Wow. For murder. Wow. And, and his, so when you listen to his music and you find this guy was in prison for longer than he was free and he was there for life and he wow. literally got a law degree while in prison and got out his music just hit, hit so differently so he's wow. definitely a rochester artist to uh to look up yeah wow cool but anyway um thank you for this where can people find you uh professor sky's music review um you can also uh, i have a spam channel uh from the desk of professor sky you can see my review of the super mario brothers movie there i've got like <laughs> i've got like a thousand subscribers over there. I, I do very sporadic uh, videos over there um but yeah but really professor sky's record review if there's like if an album comes out there's a fair chance i'm going to review it and if you i try to bring my academic expertise and my public speaking ability to make a different kind of music review that isn't like a lot of cuts and I don't give grades and I don't, you know, so I, I try to do a different style, more like essays as opposed to reviews. They're almost like podcast episodes about each album instead, yeah. of, instead of more of a review, you know? Yeah. That's a good it's way to put not it. To and put what you do onto you, you know? No, no. I mean, because I, I, I've done, I haven't done an episode in a while, but for ten years, I, or twelve years, I did a Star Wars uh, collecting podcast. Um, but like that was before doing podcasts was relatively easy. So like I had to write all the RSS code and all that stuff. Oh, so wow. yeah. So I, my computer broke, and so I now need to learn how to do podcasts the easy way. Um, <laughs> I'll teach you how. If you ever, yeah. I can help you with that. Yeah, but like, but people often say like, you should just do your things as podcasts. But I don't know how to monetize podcasts. I don't, I, I can't. I, I know how to monetize YouTube. I don't know how to monetize podcasts. So I've, I've just. But easily, my show could be a podcast. That's true. Yeah. If, well, if you ever have any questions, I'm here for you. All right. Well, good. And I'll. Uh, thank. I'll, I'll, thank yeah, you so thank much you. for your time. For real. Let me stop recording this. We'll end yes. it right there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah